On today's episode, eccentric training, the mechanics of running and exercise examples. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Run Smarter Podcast. Uh, we have an episode, a solo episode with me today, and it's going to be quite similar to the power and plyometric one that I released a couple of weeks ago, but wanted to really illustrate the um, components around eccentric training and why it's so important for runners, um, why, what the mechanics are like on the body when you are running and exactly what eccentric control actually is. Um, so it's going to hopefully have a couple of insights, but then some practical takeaways as well. Hopefully you enjoyed the previous episodes with Rachel Zoffness and talking about the pain science. I love talking about pain science and it was great to have Rachel on. I'm already getting a lot of positive feedback from that. Um, I'm glad I put it into a two-parter because otherwise it would have just gone for too long. Um, because I've batched a couple of other episodes, I now know what's coming up. So next episode, we have Greg Lehman on to, to have a chat. You might've noticed when I had my interview with Matt Phillips, he talked about Greg quite a lot, um, which I was, it was already in the books for me to interview Greg, but we're going to talk about using running as a part of your rehab or the primary component of your rehab when you are injured, which is is a fascinating topic. So look forward to bringing you that. And then the next episode we have Ben on to talk about, uh, Ben Lindsay to talk about shin splints and talk about his medical grade device, the solution. And yeah, we talk about shin splints, a few insights on what to do concurrently with this product that he has. And um, something a bit different because I don't talk about products too much pretty much because I think they're all, well, not all of them, but I'm skeptical about the um, <laughs> validity of them and how accurate their claims are. But you'll see with Ben that um, he's top notch and he pretty much delivers everything at a very high quality. Uh, so hopefully you look forward to those. Um, today, we're going to lay down eccentrics. I thought it might be nice to start with exactly talking about what eccentrics actually are. So if you can imagine when a muscle or a tendon is put under load, um, it can either, the muscle itself can either stay static. So if you, let's use a squat as an example. Um, if you were to hold on to a whole bunch of weight and then 
go down into say a half squat and then hold that position, that's what we call an isometric. If uh, it's under isometric load, it's not shortening, it's not lengthening. The, the muscle itself isn't moving, it's just trying to hold that as um, tight as you can and as stable as you can. So that's an isometric. When we talk about concentric, we talk about the muscle exerting um, force or applying load as the muscle is shortening. And so if you do a bicep curl, if you hold onto weights and bring that weight up towards your shoulder, the bicep is being put under tension, but the bicep itself is shortening as you're applying that load. But what happens with eccentrics is quite the opposite. So the muscle is under tension, it's under load, but it's lengthening as it's being applied or as the load is being applied. And so if we go back to that squat, for example, and we pack you full of weights, we put a bar on your shoulders, we put a whole bunch of weight on the bar, and then you slowly lower yourself down. The primary muscle that is being worked is still your quadriceps. But as you lower yourself down, the quadriceps are lengthening. And so that's the component when it comes to, or when we talk about eccentrics, that's exactly what the tendons, exactly what the muscles are doing. They're being, they're having load applied as it's lengthening. So why does this matter for runners? Um, what is the eccentric component like when you are running? Um, the first one that I wanted to discuss is your hamstrings. Now, a lot of people have hamstring issues. A lot of people have hamstring tendinopathies. A lot of people get into hamstring strains or hamstring troubles when they increase their speed. Um, so the best, it's very good, going to be very hard for me to describe through this audio format, but uh, if I can try and, if you can visualize what your leg is doing when you are running, especially when you go through your swing phase. So when you carry your leg through, when the knee is bent and your um, the other foot's planted, but one leg, let's just talk about the right leg. It is coming through its swing phase and it, your leg needs to go from a bent position to a straighter position as it's getting the foot ready to plant down onto the ground. So we're looking about this phase. This is what we call the terminal swing phase. Um, it's this phase of the running which the hamstrings need to work eccentrically in order for you to place your foot on the ground with control. And so as your leg is swinging through air, through space with that bent knee, what you actually need to do is slow down the momentum of your shin, slow down the momentum of the, the lower leg and carefully place that foot down so that it's in a nice controlled position. So we're looking at a leg that's going from bent to straight uh, as it's, you know, when you're running, it's quite fast. The, the movement of the legs are quite forceful but the hamstring needs to hold on to the brakes. It needs to slow down this momentum of this from going from bent to straight in order for you to slowly control your foot down onto the ground. And so what it does is the hamstrings just grab onto that leg and say, okay, let's um, straighten the leg, but let's do so gradually and let's do so slowly. Let's decelerate the, the speed of that moving shin in order to achieve that. And so this is what we call the eccentric component of the hamstring during this particular phase of the run. Um, if you run faster, that swing phase is a lot more forceful. It's a lot quicker. And so the hamstring needs to pull on that brake, needs to slow down that momentum 
of that leg needs to decelerate the momentum of the shin bone in order for the in order for you to control that foot placement and keep running so the faster you run the more eccentric control your hamstrings need to have and so this is why sometimes when you go for a jog um, you can handle it quite well but if you start increasing your speed sometimes your hamstrings might be a bit sore the next day if you do some sprints sometimes it might increase your likelihood of a, a strain um, like a, a hamstring tear or something or your hamstring tendons the proximal hamstring tendon might start becoming irritated agitated uh, because it's just not used to applying that amount of eccentric control under those given speeds drawing our attention away from the hamstring um, your tib post your tibialis posterior tendon is one of the tendons that goes on the inside of your foot Um, we did have um, a tib post episode with the lovely lizzie marlowe back episode 72 it was to explain what the tib post tendon actually is and what the mechanics are but for the purpose of this episode i just want to let you know when you first make contact with the ground when your foot first makes contact with the ground your foot pronates and this is a very healthy normal movement but similar to that hamstring we need to decelerate the the rate of pronation we need to do it slowly so you just don't slap onto the ground and have this huge peak in force and so as soon as you make contact with the ground when your foot starts to roll inwards, that tib post, that inside tendon of the foot needs to activate and needs to say, oh, we need to pull the brakes and slowly apply this foot gently onto the ground. And as it rolls in, as the ankle rolls in, the tib post lengthens. And so this is another eccentric component of the the running phase. Um, So it can be very important. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. When it comes to training and preparing for these sort of loads, uh, your quadriceps, Uh, They undergo a little bit of uh, eccentric. It's probably uh, eccentric or isometric. But when you make contact with the ground, your knee isn't completely straight. It's actually a little bit bent. And if you make contact with the ground, that very instance you make contact with the ground, sometimes your knee bends slightly um, a little bit more than when you first make contact with the ground. And so your quadricep itself is lengthening, but... It is absorbing most of the force. Um, Similar to, say, with the Achilles, if you are a forefoot runner um, or if you are running hills, most people, when they run hills, they'll run on their toes. This is another eccentric component of the Achilles. And so when when your toes first make contact with the ground, um, because your heel isn't touching the ground, you will um, start to bend or start to lengthen the calf and the Achilles when you first make contact with the ground. And those car- the calf and Achilles is under load and therefore it's acting eccentrically. And so there are four examples that I can think of when it comes to the eccentric phases of a running cycle. And so in the gym, 
when we do our strength training, because I've done so many episodes before, um, make sure that if you aren't familiar with the benefits of strength training, um, go back to previous episodes. I know I've said multiple times in the past, um, if you haven't listened to the first 10 episodes of this podcast, please do so. Almost everyone that I talk to online that <laughs> adds themselves into the, into the Facebook group say, yeah, I've started back at episode one, which is fantastic. You're reaping the rewards. You're taking full benefit out of this podcast. But if you're not familiar around the benefits of strength training, please go back and maybe listen to those strength training uh, episodes. But let's assume that we all know the benefits of strength training. When it comes to um, implementing some resistance training into your running routine, into your weekly program, it's good to meet similar demands or put the tendons, put the muscles under similar demands that are required for running. We're bridging the gap between um, how much load we want the body to tolerate because we do tolerate a lot of load when it comes to our running. It's good to try and mimic um, that demand as much as we can. The exercise itself may look completely different. It may not look like a running action, but the demands might be similar. Uh, For example, if we're doing a deadlift, that deadlift action doesn't look anything like a running action. But what you're doing is loading up your glutes, you're loading up your hamstrings with the knee slightly bent, um, which is exactly the demands that's required when you make contact with the ground uh, when you run. And so it gets into like the physiology side of things and you don't necessarily need to fully understand that component, but it's nice to try and have similar demands um, in at least a small percentage of your strength training. And so apart from trying to mimic the running action, what benefits does eccentrics have? So if we want to bridge the gap between the demands of the muscle and what our running action is like, um, we can do that with eccentric training. But I thought I'd carry on and um, give you a couple of other points to list out the benefits of eccentrics before we actually get into some examples. Um, So the first one is if you do eccentric training and you do so slowly and you go through a larger range of movement, the actual eccentric training, the actual eccentric exercise themselves allows the muscle to build up strength through a greater range of movement. It actually gets stronger through different ranges of movement which is really nice to have if you want to become a resilient runner and you just want to be a general all-round strong individual. Uh, Because you are, the demands and the requirements of that muscle to activate is through quite a large range. That's the the adaptation that you're going to get. The other benefit that I noticed um, that's coming out in the literature is an increase in flexibility, um, which does make sense in my eyes. Whether a runner needs to be flexible is another story. But if you're having more mobile hamstrings, more mobile hips, um, it's not a bad thing. Um, And eccentric training has been shown to not only make you stronger in larger ranges of movement, but actually make that muscle itself more compliant to stretch. And there's a systematic review that I found. Let me just click on it so I can give you the title Um, because I had a read of this before I started recording. Um, It's by Kieran O'Sullivan, and it is The Effects of Eccentric Training in Lower Limb Flexibility, a Systematic Review. And so what they do with systematic reviews is they find 
all the available literature that's currently out there that suits their objective or suits their um, aim of the study. And they include all those articles that are currently available that fit their inclusion criteria. And then they summarize or they put together all the data and then come up with a conclusion. And so now I've lost my my dot points. <laughs> um, let me bring this up. This is what happens when you open up too many tabs. So this systematic review was undertaken to examine the evidence that eccentric training has effectiveness as a means of improving lower limb flexibility. So that's the aim of the, the study. Um, and they found that there was consistent, strong evidence from the six trials that they found. So they did a wide scope of all the available research and found six trials that suited their their aims. Um, so out of all these six trials, they found strong, consistent evidence um, with three different muscle groups. So the quads, the calves, and the hamstrings were the three muscle groups that they looked for, which is perfect when it comes for running um, because they're the muscle groups that are really strong eccentrically for running. And they found it, it can improve lower limb flexibility as assessed with either just testing their range of movement or testing what they call their um, the fascicle length. So the actual components of the muscle actually become longer. And I have, I'm going to risk it as well and change these tabs because there's a table that shows their um, the different methods that they used. So in these six studies, um, the duration varied between six to 14 weeks that they would do um, one of these trials. Um, we'll go through the exercise in a second, but the, the reps and sets that they used per session was a little bit different. Some used six reps of six sets. Some did uh, 15 reps by three sets. Some did one set with six reps. And so the, vary, the variability was quite a lot. And the duration of the exercise, like the duration of the eccentric phase was different, varied from like three to six seconds. But nonetheless, the aim of it was to improve eccentric strength. And they did notice not only um, an improvement in strength, but they noticed that the actual range of movement improved. So you can get a lot of people think that if they do strength training, they're going to become stiff or they're going to become too rigid when in fact, if you implement some eccentric eccentric training, it's quite the opposite. You actually get um, improvement in your range of movement. So that's quite nice as well. The third one I want to mention. So one, it allows bigger strength or the ability to produce strength through a larger range of movement. Two is the flexibility. And three is when it comes to injury, when it comes to preventing injury or when it comes to um, if you are injured and trying to overcome a tendinopathy, eccentrics can be really, really nice um, as long as it's within the right dosage. There was a story um, by a surgeon, his name was Alfredson, and I think this was in the 90s, early 90s, maybe late 80s. I might be getting that wrong. However, he was a surgeon who started getting this grumbly Achilles issue and he wanted an operation. Like, you know, surgeons, they want to operate on everything. So he asked his mate, his other surgeon mate, can you operate on my Achilles? It's it's really sore. And his mate looked at the Achilles and said, look, it's probably, it's not bad enough. Like you don't need surgery um, because he looked at the structure and said, look, it's just not severe enough. And so he, Alfredson said, yeah, all right, okay, I'll show you. And 
went home and tried to make it worse. So what he did was he put his, um, he got a step, he put his toes on the edge of the step so the heel was hanging. He just grabbed a whole bunch of weight and would slowly apply load to the Achilles in order to try and make it worse, try and make it snap or try and make it tear. And to his surprise, uh, it got a lot better. And so this is where the approach or the intervention around eccentric training actually became effective for tendons and the research followed that afterwards. And there's still a little bit of debate around what is most effective, whether isometric or eccentric or concentric um, loading is the best for tendon rehab. However, all of them seem to be really responsive. All of them seem to be very positive. It's now the debate is on whether what is most effective. So there's none that are detrimental. There are none that are um, in status quo, but they're all beneficial. It's just which one is the most beneficial. But what I found in the past is that eccentrics can be really, really nice for a lot of tendons. Um, it can be a really nice way to load up the tendon without really stirring it up. Because if we're using the example of, say, an Achilles, what we do for the eccentric component is say we go if you're on a step so your toes are on the step and your heels are dangling if we use two legs and we come up onto two legs and then we get that affected side and we stand on just that affected side and then we slowly lower ourselves down so that all that weight is um, on that one affected side and we're slowly lowering down that heel it's taking on a lot of load and then as we get down to the bottom what we do is we put our other foot back down onto the step and that that good leg helps us back up to the starting position and then we repeat. And it doesn't necessarily irritate the tendon too much because we're not concentrically moving up that upwards phase under load, but we are applying a lot of load eccentrically. And so um, it's a good way for the tendon to adapt to load without irritating it too much. So the debate still continues um, what's most effective, but... It's a really nice step that you can try to see if it's really nice for you. Um, how are we going for time? I think it's time to come up with some examples. So I guess the when it comes to general, say, your general strength training, say your deadlifts, your squats, your lunges, your calf raises, your plyometrics that you might be doing, they still involve some eccentric components. Um, they all will include some minor eccentric phase but it may not be the primary focus. And so there are some exercises that you can do that um, brings the eccentric component into that primary focus. If you are familiar with the Nordic hamstring exercise, if you're not, then you can YouTube it or I can um, try my best to describe here. So if you're on the floor, you're on your knees um, and you are upright, so you're vertical from your knees to your shoulders, um, and hands are just by your side. This exercise starts with something clamping down your heels or clamping down onto your Achilles. So either someone holds your feet down or you wrap your feet underneath something. I sometimes use a bed or a couch and you stay upright. So your knees stay on the ground, but you try and keep a really rigid posture from your knees to your shoulders and you slow, slowly lower yourself down as slow and controlled as you can until you can't possibly control it anymore. And then 
you fall to the ground, but you're, you bring your hands out in front and you catch yourself and then you crawl back up to that starting position and you repeat that action. That is a very good eccentric component. It's a very good eccentric exercise for the hamstrings. Um, for the Achilles, I think I would, it'd be exactly what I just described. Um, so you're going, you're accentuating that down phase on that one leg and then you're helping your other side come back up and you're repeating that process. So that would be an eccentric component when it comes to the Achilles. Um, a bridge with a Swiss ball, you know, those really big balls that you sit on. Um, if you were to have your feet up on the ball and your your body on the ground, so your head and um, back are laying on the ground with your feet up on the ball, come up into a bridge and then slowly roll that ball out as slow and controlled as you can. Once you've rolled that ball out until the legs are straight, your hips come down to the floor, you curl that ball up, you go back up into the bridge and you repeat that process. And that can be done double leg and it can be done single leg. So a really nice eccentric um, exercise for the hamstring, that one is, um, if you don't have the right setup or if you're not strong enough to do those Nordic hamstring exercises like I just described. Um, for your quads, there would be a nice one, like an eccentric phase of say a Bulgarian split squat or a lunge. So your Bulgarian split squats, a similar position to a lunge, except your back leg is up on a bench or up on a chair or something. And if you're applying weight and you're doing that down phase really slow and really controlled, um, then when you get to the bottom, you either let go of some weights and come back up and start again, or you just do a fast concentric phase, which brings me to my next point, which is changing up your current strength exercises with a bit of different tempos. Um, so squats, deadlifts, lunges, calf raises, you can still continue these because hopefully you're still doing them in your strength training, but you can change up the, the different phases, the different tempo. So a squat might look like your down phase when it comes to your squat is say three to five seconds long, but the up phase is one to two seconds. So you count down two, three, four, five up, and then go down two, three, four, five up. What we're doing is prioritizing that eccentric component, that down phase, um, and adapting your muscles to yeah tolerate eccentric control a bit more. Similar to deadlifts, you can do that same down phase, same with lunges, same with calf raises. You can still change up that tempo and prioritize that eccentric component and then just come up quickly in that concentric phase. And that's a really nice way that you can do it. It's it's something you're already doing, something you're familiar with, something that you have good technique for, but we're just keeping the body guessing and changing things up a bit. Um, be careful with weights if you're doing eccentrics for the first time um, if you're doing deadlifts and you're used to doing 50 kilo deadlifts uh, and then decide to do this tempo exercise if you're used to going down two seconds up two seconds um, that's like a four second time under tension and all of a sudden you're doing five seconds down two seconds up which is seven seconds under tension you might notice that the same weight that you're currently doing might be too much. So it might be wise to perhaps take a little bit of weight off to do these eccentric, do this eccentric focus, see how things feel. If you feel fine afterwards um, and there's no 
massive amount of doms the next day, then you can probably pile the weight back on. But just be careful in your first attempt to not go too heavy or not, um, yeah, overdo things. And you can implement this like once a week. You can implement this just in your regular rotation. For example, if I do my squats, um, I usually do squats once or twice a week. And maybe every second or every third time I do squats, I'll change up this tempo or change up the variation and um, focus on the eccentric component. And so that could just be every second or every third time you decide to do squats or deadlifts and just have that in your regular rotation. It could be a nice one. And once, like I said, keeps the body guessing. And two, that eccentric component is um, very nice for absorbing that load when you're running. The concentric phase could probably be for producing force when um, during that the other phase of your running. And so you can kind of break it up into propulsion phase when you're trying to push off the ground and produce speed. But then there's that loading, the absorption phase when you're hitting your foot on the ground, you have to try and absorb all those loads. That's when the eccentric component is really key. Um, Because if you can't control that really well, then you start to absorb loads differently. And we know that the body doesn't like absorbing loads too much to what it's used to. That's when we start breaking down. That's when we start getting injured. Um, so that's my take on eccentric training. Not a lot of heavy science sort of stuff here, just more practical takeaways and more understanding the mechanics of uh, what eccentrics are when running. I try my best to um, make sense of it or describe it in a way through pure audio. I know if I had some visuals or some videos to have in front of me, it'd be a lot easier, but Hopefully, you it's made sense to you. Hopefully, you've understood. And hopefully, you change up your training a little bit if you're finding that eccentrics aren't really a high priority within your strength program. So I look forward to bringing you um, Greg and Ben next episode or in the next couple of episodes. And yeah, until then, keep training smart and happy running. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.